Greetings and salutations, Elwood City Limits listeners. Or perhaps I should be saying, Bienvenue, bonjour, maybe. Because today is something a little different for the free feed. It's Will Young here, and as I have previously explained on uh, Elwood City Limits, June here on the show, is a little bit of a vacation month. Lucas is on vacation far away. I'm going to be taking a little time off here as well. But we didn't want to leave too many gaps in content. Unfortunately, we do have a gap week on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Limits. But the Patreon is where you would have heard this episode months ago. Near the beginning of the year, we had our second episode of our newer Patreon series, Elwood City Limits Origins. This is the show where Lucas and I talk about television shows, cartoons, really, that influenced us beyond the scope of PBS Kids. So with these episodes, our goal is to go into something that we know a lot about. For the Kids of PBS Kids podcast, which is our other sister series to ECL, is a show where often we go in blind. We don't know what to expect, and it's meant to look at the contemporaries of Arthur and what came before Arthur and what came after it. With ECL Origins, we pretty much know what we're getting into. I think there's going to be some times coming up where Lucas knows a little bit more about a show or I know a bit more about the show, but this time... We both knew what we were talking about for years. We've been talking about doing about some kind of content about our little weird, very French, kind of disgusting cartoon from our childhoods called Yvonne of the Yukon. And with ECL Origins, we finally had the output. Now, this is not the only episode of this show that we have done so far. We have done episodes on SpongeBob SquarePants, sticking around. Our latest one was on Homestar Runner, and we have a lot more fun plans to go. In fact, July, we're going to be picking a new ECL Origins episode. We're not sure what we're going to be doing yet there, but for now, make sure that if if you like this, if you like this kind of content, if that sounds good to you, Go to patreon.com slash Limits and sign up over there. And I'm just going to take a moment here, if you don't mind. There are several fine people who have signed up at patreon.com slash Limits and uh, are paying whatever they want for access to shows like this, early access to shows like this, such as John Dulong and John Griswold. People like Kevin Noon and Jake Bailey. People like Lily W. and Nicholas DeMarco. People such as Greenhouse Vinyls and Casey Cosmos. People like Zara and Young Wee and JP. Thank you to people such as Jack, Jeff L, and Jared G. Thank you to Mamata and Alicia. And thank you to Tiki Barberfan, our newest patron. Thanks, everybody, for joining in at patreon.com slash Limits. And without much further ado, I'm just going to get to it. Here is the second episode of ECL Origins, where you are going to learn a little bit about a show called Yvonne of the Yukon. Hope you enjoy, and we'll see you soon for more Elwood City Limits and our sister shows over on the Patreon. Also, a quick note, this episode has a bit of spicy language in it. This is normally what you get behind the paywall, and we are talking about some gross-out slash toilet humor in a bit of detail. So, please be forewarned, but otherwise... Enjoy. Did 
There once was a Frenchman, Yvonne was his name. Exploring new worlds, he dreamed was his fame. But reading a map was not his forte. So poor Yvonne was soon cast away. Yvonne, Yvonne how do you come? Sailing the stormy seas. Yvonne, Yvonne no one could hear his pleas. He soon found himself in a bit of a pickle. The frigid North Seas proved more than fickle. Yvonne's navigation would soon cost a price. He was knocked overboard and turned into ice. Yvonne, of the Yukon, hapless volunteer. Yvonne, of the Yukon, frozen for hundreds of years. Three hundred years passed and with some irony His scheme was thought of by much need to pee Yvonne claimed the land for his country's glory And, and that's the start of Yvonne's story Yvonne, of the Yukon Frozen by icy seas Yvonne, of the Yukon Defrosted for you and for me Will, you know how the Assassin's Creed games always start with a warning that says Assassin's Creed... You know, Ubisoft is a uh, melting pot of different ethnicities and racial uh, backgrounds and religious creeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a diverse uh, product. I feel like we need a warning in front of this episode <laughs> of ECL Origins uh, to say that, you know, we are merely looking at Yvonne of the Yukon from an editorial perspective. You know, you and I have egalitarian values. We do not discriminate against... Uh, any nationality, uh, even if you're French. No, we certainly don't. I th- I'd like to think that our <laughs> I'd like to think that our um, you know our track record is has has shown that in the past. But uh, yeah, in case anybody wasn't sure, since uh, well, for this one we're asking people to uh, to check out a piece of Canadian history that uh, certainly is um, uh, quite different. Uh, some uh, 25 years later. And finally, we get to talk about it. This is ECL Origins. This is one of two Patreon-exclusive podcasts. Will Young here with Lucas Mancini. And something we've been wanting to talk about since the first year of this podcast. We we would mention it offhand. There's a couple of cartoons that we have planned for this uh, little side series that have been in our minds for a long time. And finally, it's time to talk about a little-remembered uh, piece of Canadian gross-out cartoon history, <laughs> and that's Yvonne of the Yukon. Yeah, um, it's funny. You say little-remembered, and it's true. I feel like Yvonne, for one reason or another, has completely exited the public consciousness, even amongst cartoon fans, even amongst Canadian cartoon fans. But I don't know if it was a time or place thing for me, but this show left quite the impression on me and my friend group. Um, You know, Yvonne started airing in uh, 2001, ran from 2001 to 2004. My prime, as we went over in the SpongeBob episode, my prime (laughs) uh, cartoon watching years. Yeah. Uh, and it is something that has been a bit of a punchline, both, you know, even on ECL and amongst, uh, friends in my peer group, you know, remember that disgusting show about that really nasty Frenchman, uh, (laughs) with all of the weird kind of, uh, uh, portrayals of French people and Chinese people and people of all sorts of different nationalities, 
uh, wasn't that weird? Wasn't that show weird? Uh, and it never really went further than that, though. None of us have ever gone back to actually watch Yvonne and the Yukon. It's just kind of like a nightmare I once had <laughs> or something like that. But it's never quite left my mind. Like, even as a kid, it's one of those shows, uh, I, 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 I would say it's the Canadian version of, are you familiar with a show called Mega Babies? Of, well, of course I am. Of course I am. It's one of the, one of the Teletoon, uh, early Teletoon classic, g- g- classics in, qu- in quotation marks. Yeah, so I would think it, it, it shares a peer group with Mega Babies, The Ripping Friends. Yeah. Gro- gross out animation. Um, you know, sort of shows that go a step above what perhaps a SpongeBob or even, you know, SpongeBob's more, I would say, a little bit more edgier companion, Red and Stimpy. I feel like Mega Babies, Ripping Friends, and Yvonne, the most Canadian entry in. in uh, those three shows uh, kind of go a step further with the bodily humor, with the gross-out humor. You know, we're talking poop, pee, underwear, wedgies. Snot, uh, hair. Snot, yeah, yeah. Real some garbage pale kid stuff. Almost even, again, beyond the garbage pale kid pale and going into, like, Adam Sandler territory. There was a couple of moments yeah. in this episode. We, wa- we watched the pilot today, and I was like, you know, some of these jokes are reminiscent of moments from the film uh, that me and you love to talk about, Eight Crazy Nights. There's some <laughs> which is, eight crazy... Which is, which is also from around this time, like 2001-ish. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you, that's actually a really good point, Will. I feel like this type of gross-out cartoon has kind of gone... The wayside. I don't think it really exists anymore. Um, you know, you look at today's modern day cartoons uh, meant for kids in this era. You know, it's your amazing world of gumballs. It's your Craig of the Creeks. Um, go a little bit younger. It's Bluey. Uh, but there's not really or older. a... Uh, or or older, right? Yeah, for Bluey. But damn, are we going to have to talk about Bluey on here one of these days? Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> um we uh you, there's not really a contemporary show about you know hairy butts or nasty farts no it's so yes in that sense this show is kind of very much of a time i was as you were talking about it too it's interesting to compare this to um the cartoon landscape today at least i guess as we see it it's it's tough to know exactly because i feel like you know, as kids, we were far more dialed into like cartoon the cartoons on television, and now you kind of hear about it more more like the po- the popular ones, or at least the ones that are making the most buzz on social media. That's kind of how we know about them. And I wonder if there are as many cartoons where it kind of like it, it kind of just came and went, and that was more of the idea. Like, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that. Yvonne of the Yukon wasn't exactly trying to be representative or say something. Uh, it was just kind of trying to entertain in a very in a very specific way. And then once it was done, it was it was done. It was I don't, I don't believe that this was anybody's like dream project. Whereas you know a lot of cartoons today are like you know the ones that make it to TV and and even some of the ones that become very successful are like this is something that somebody has wanted to make for a very long time it's an idea they've had for a long time an idea that they've pitched again and again and then and and it becomes like a big thing like you know your adventure times steven universes like all that kind of stuff this is very much 
of the type where you kind of watch it and you're not supposed to really think about it that hard. Um, we'll get into this a bit later. I did do some research on this show because it's just just to say that I did, especially because we're going to be presenting this to some people probably for the first time. And I felt that I should kind of explain a little bit about what went into it. But there's really not a lot of information. There's not there's nothing online that I could find that's just like, oh, yeah, the creators really, you know, felt strongly about this. It seems to be very much like space needed to be filled. They had an idea and they decided to go with it. Um, now, and, and, I, certainly, I wanna... and certainly to just to go along with your to go along with your point about like the gross out humor, which we will talk about. That's a very 90s thing. And even though this was 2001, I'm sure some of its development went on in the late 90s. It's there doesn't seem to be like a real market for kids gross out anymore. And I think that's due to probably due to a lot of things. You know, that's probably a whole other podcast in and of itself. But it really it really not hits different. That's not what that means. But like it feels different watching it mm. outside of its own time. Yeah, a little antiquated, perhaps. Yeah, so just not, yeah. Uh, not of its era. Yeah, yeah. Now, I do want to push back on some stuff you said. For instance, yeah. you said the show isn't really saying anything. I would counter that by saying the show's ideology is clear as day. Uh-huh. Uh, French French people are disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> and that was one of the things that was really weird to be returning to it was that, you know, for our American listeners, sure, they might be familiar with Mega Babies and Ripping Friends, but this is one gross-out show that's definitely new to them because it is a um, through-and-through a Canadian production. Um, you know, it's it's written by Canadians, it's performed by Canadians, it takes place in Canada. In fact, it was, it was I'm reading now, funded uh, by... <laughs> significantly funded by our tax dollars. Mm-hmm. I was like, did someone on this show, like, really hate French Canadians or something? Well, like, and not, not French Canadians, like, the French. So this... Uh, Yvonne is not French Canadian, although he is in Canada. Right. This is specifically, like... Parisians that they don't that they don't well, like. But here's the thing about French Canadians, right? Is Yvonne is from pre-colonial times, right? Right. And you know when when people talk about the French Canadian accent and how it sounds so different than Parisian accent, yeah. the Parisian accent. One of the things they talk about is that it's like um, what French sounds like out of time. Like French people used to sound like how French Canadians sound. Oh yeah. But the accent evolved over being part of Europe, whereas French Canadians, you know, they sound really strange to Parisian Canadians. So a part of me is like, is I don't know enough about, uh, you know, because I'm I'm such a, uh, a woke person, will for lack of a better term, uh-huh. I have so much love in my love in my heart for as an Anglo for our French Canadian brethren. I couldn't even begin to cite examples of French Canadian stereotypes to you. But I was wondering if, you know, Yvonne embodies some sort of stereotype. Because the thing is, even though he is supposed to be from, you know, the the age of Louis the the fifteenth, he wears like modern day a uh, modern day toque, modern day underwear. Um and, you know, often, and this is something that's kind of strange to a lot of Americans, you know, in, in some regions in Canada, it's the French Canadians are the lower income 
people, right? Like, so in provinces like New Brunswick, the lower income areas tend to be the French Canadian areas. And this is in part due to all sorts of political reasons, yeah. you know, underfunding yeah. of those areas by the, the provincial government there. And there's also, you know, a lot of, um, this is very novel to Americans, but like low income people in rural Quebec who people aren't used to people with a French accent <laughs> being from that kind of area, right? Being from like trailer parks and stuff. So a part of me in the back of my head, I was like, is, was, did this spot did someone have a, like a really bad experience or just like a, a hatred for French Canadians and that's where this came from um but I don't know that's probably just a, a, a pet theory maybe they thought you know a stinky old Frenchman is is funny and he would fart a lot and that would be funny that's probably more the case yeah. the other thing I wanted to say is that you said that there was not necessarily any representation of the show. And that's what's interesting of this show. Besides being, you know, b besides portraying the French is so absolutely repulsive. <laughs> and it's not just Yvonne, too. Whenever they cut back to France, they do it in the episode we watched today, the pilot. But I remember them doing it all the time. Like, uh, King Louis is not portrayed in a positive light. Like, he is as gross as Yvonne and, and disgusting in his own right. Yeah. But... Despite the French getting such a raw deal, um, you know, the protagonists of the show are all Inuit, and it kind of takes place in a majority Inuit community, mm -hmm. which for 2001, I remember when we were talking about Molly of Denali um, and kind of how refreshing that show was, um, there was certainly nothing like this back in 2001. Um, and some of the actors, and you might get into this later when we talk about the creation of it a little bit, but I was looking up, some of the actors are indeed indigenous. Yes. Um, so there's a couple, there's a couple of actors that are playing outside of their race, let's say, mm, mm, uh, mm. and not just, and not just on the indigenous side, but that's a good point. Like there's actually a little bit of, um, unremarked upon diversity to like true diversity in the sense that like characters of every racial background get to be more well-rounded and also like, it's not made a big thing out of as, as we'll talk about. Yeah. I do think, you know, whether they're being voiced by uh, someone of their race or not, a lot of, and in my memory, um, the Inuit characters are the ones who are given the most dignity. In a show where the dignity is uh, few and far, <laughs> you know what I mean? Dignity is not being doled out in droves in this show, uh, but what crumbs of dignity there are available are afforded to the indigenous characters. Yes. Tommy, Tommy, and Big Bill are often like the more level-headed among the cast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I feel like we need to give we're, we put the cart before the horse because we have so many Yvonne takes. I guess we should give a really basic, uh, and this is maybe a good opportunity to talk about the opening because the opening really lays sure. out Yvonne's origin story. Because some of our American listeners are probably listening to this, being like, "What the hell are they talking about?" So the cartoon Yvonne of the Yukon, as Lucas said, it debuted in April 2001, ended in January 2004, three seasons, 52 episodes. Um, yeah, so before before I talk about any behind-the-scenes behind the stuff, the, the basic plot line is that Yvonne is a... Now, I'm going to... I'm not so good about, like, denoting... Uh, times like even the king even the king louis here i wasn't so clear on but essentially he is a frenchman from hundreds uh i think tommy at one point in this episode is like 300 something years ago so of that era of france he went on a voyage across the sea to what is now the um i don't think they necessarily say but let's say the northern part of canada and froze in a block of ice captain america style and then was 
uh, thawed out 300-some years later by Tommy. And this is all in the opening credits. Like, they, they do the theme song, and you, so they roll back the story because the because the show is not about really Yvonne, like, a story. It's very episodic. It's very just meant to be situational comedy. And, yeah, so Yvonne was frozen out of the block of ice by... Um, Tommy's dog Mutt, who we don't see in this episode, uh, peeing on the ice and uh, uh, unfreezing Yvonne. And so he's alive. He's just this displaced uh, squat Frenchman who is in this uh, indigenous slash northern community. And uh, hilarity ensues from there. Yes. Another important thing to point out is that Yvonne is never wearing pants. Yes. He is always donning his briefs, his like... Uh, tidy whitey style briefs. They are not boxers. Um, and this is never really remarked upon or acknowledged by anybody else. I, I don't know if the joke here is this is his French custom, uh, but he is always in his underwear. Yes. Uh, he's he's meant to be kind of this very uncouth character who has who has a very <laughs> who's a very prominent French accent like means well but is also like fairly gross and just kind of doesn't understand the modern world as it was in 2001. Yeah, it's it's that kind of like almost Austin Powers dynamic yeah. where Yvonne of Yvonne is both a man out of time as well as a man out of his, you know, natural habitat. He's a fish out of water. He's not in France. And so the residents of this town in the Yukon have a lot to learn from Yvonne as much as he does from them. And 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 like you said, Will, uh, hijinks ensue as a result. Well, and that's actually a terrific comparison that I didn't even think of. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, by the time Yvonne of the Yukon was probably getting, you know, in the preliminary stages, Austin Powers was already very popular. The first movie came out in 1997. And proved to be like a cultural phenomenon of the time. So I can't imagine they didn't take at least a little bit of inspiration from that. That's actually a really good, uh, a really good comparison there. So uh, <laughs> this is the first instance of saying that, uh, to my knowledge, to my knowledge, neither of the creators of the show are indigenous. I believe they are white. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. I'm not there. I'm not their biographer. The creators of the show are. Two voice actors, Ian James Corlett and Terry Clausen. We've actually talked about Ian James Corlett on For the Kids before. He's a voice actor that, no doubt, if you have been alive since the 1990s, you've heard him in something. He was the voice of Mega Man. He was one of the voices of Goku on Dragon Ball Z. He was on Reboot. He was on What's With Andy. And he's the creator of Being Ian, which we talked about. And as we found out live on the show, is like... It's about being Ian James Corlett. Uh, yes, he's the titular Ian. He's the titular Ian. And Terry Clausen is another voice actor who has been, you know, a bunch of stuff. He's been a voice director. So he and Ian James Corlett also worked on script localizations for overseas shows through their own company. So they worked on the localizations of shows like Cyber 6, Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z, Bakugan, Beyblade. So they have, you know, they're, they're working partners and had been for quite a while before Yvonne of the Yukon. So, again, I wasn't really able to find any, like, whys or even really hows. Just kind of, I guess they just had this idea. And we've encountered that before with For the Kids. It's like sometimes somebody just has an idea. It's not like an idea they've been married to for their whole life, but they just kind of get the green light and go ahead with it, and it ends up being at least mildly successful. 
Something I want to share also with our American viewers, I mentioned this earlier, just because it's so funny to me, is that one of the reasons there's so many Canadian children's television shows compared to American children's television shows, you know, there's a long-standing Canadian connection with Arthur, so much uh, children's programming comes out of Canada, and it's because of the way our arts funding works and how there's uh, so much funding available for people to work in animation uh, and children's programming. And so it's just so funny to me looking at this Wikipedia article and how much of Evolve of the Yukon was funded by you and I, Will, the taxpayer, because <laughs> uh, it was produced in, uh, with the participation of the Canadian Television Fund and the Canadian Film and Video Production Tax Credit with the assistance of the British Columbia Film and Film Incentive BC grant yep. and uh, participation from the province of British Columbia. So almost entirely uh, crowd corporation, nonprofit, and just straight up government funding is what brought us, you know, this great Canadian cultural artifact, Yvonne of the Yukon. Right. And, and of course, as we've mentioned many times, Ian James Corlett, Terry Clausen, most of the people who worked on this show, very Canadian. Uh, also, Canadian is the studio that produced it, that would be Studio B. Now, Studio B uh, is part of what is now called Wild Brain, which is just kind of gobbled up a lot of different Canadian production houses throughout the years. So this particular animation studio um, worked on a lot of 90s cartoons that uh, surely you recognize. Now, um, I, again, I'm kind of ignorant of the entire process of animation. So this particular studio often animated a few episodes of a show, of a series, as opposed to being the animators or producers of a whole thing. So they've worked on shows like... The Beetlejuice cartoon, Eek the Cat, The Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, The Mask animated series, Street Sharks, The Twisted Tales of Felix the Cat, The Angry Beavers, Corduroy, Being Ian. So like a bunch of 90s, early 2000s cartoons. This was just another one that they also happened to uh, to work on. Uh, <laughs> in my research, uh, Lucas, I was very interested to find Yvonne of the Yukon actually won a couple of awards, if you can believe it. <laughs> So it won what's called a Leo Award in 2002 for the best youth or children's program or series. I would love to see the competition that year. Uh, it also has some Best Director and Writers Guild of Canada awards under its belt as well. As anybody, uh, our Americans, look up the winners of the Genie Awards. Or what was the... One of them was TV, one of them was movie. There was the Genie, and then what was the other one, Well, Do you know what I'm the talking Ju about? The Junos? Are you thinking of the Junos? The Ju well, the... The Junos still exist. I thought there was oh, one of the... Oh you, oh, you mean defunct. Yeah, because uh, the Genie doesn't exist anymore. No, Genie Awards. the Genie Awards, yes. Um, oh, that's a good question. That's going to... That's actually. Oh, that's I, I, I think I think the Genie Awards were both, actually. Oh, okay. Oh, no, the Gemini Awards. The Gemini Awards, Gemini Awards that's Awards. it. Yes, yes, yes. Anyway, <laughs> sometimes in, in Canadian media... It's uh, it's slim pickings. You know, we just got to give the, the biggest Canadian production its due. But I, I will say this about Yvonne of the Yukon. Again, it's of its time and place. It's hard for us to go into the mindset of, you know, maybe this uh, filthy yet lovable Frenchman, you know, captured the hearts and minds of uh, the Canadian show business intelligentsia. <laughs> uh, and, it, 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 you know, it earned those awards. Right. Who knows? Well, and so I think it's worth mentioning that the Leo Awards are, like, based around British Columbia. Like, the British Columbia Media uh. Awards. So I'm glad you mentioned that earlier because it's very much BC, uh, western part of Canada. Uh, very <laughs> much representative of that part of the country. <laughs> 
That's so funny. The show that the government funded. You're telling me that's the best cartoon <laughs> we got? Interesting. Um, not much to say about the cast. There's a bunch of like longtime Canadian voice actors in there. I just wanted to mention a couple. So the voice of Yvonne is... Um, I looked him up. I don't recognize him from anything else. His name is Drew Reichelt. The only the, like his biggest credit aside from being Yvonne on you know fifty two episodes, he had a main role on a cartoon called RoboCop Alpha Commando, which I've never seen a, a second of. Is it like licensed like it's actual a, it's RoboCop? actual RoboCop? Huh. It's like a Canadian Weird. produced RoboCop cartoon, which <laughs> which there was a lot of like Robo lot not lost but like not ill forgotten RoboCop media. Uh, from the 90s. There was like the live action Canadian produced TV show. There was RoboCop 3, which is no good and nobody wants to think about. There's like the RoboCop toys and like it, it was kind of a thing for a little while or not a thing. I think it wanted to be a thing. Um, Tommy, the character, is voiced by a voice act, a Canadian voice actor that has unfortunately passed away. His name is Kirby Morrow. And much like Ian James Corlett, if you were aware of like voice actors in the 90s and if you were watching cartoons in the 90s, You've heard him. You've heard Kirby Morrow before. So he was on. And like even just to hear him in Yvonne of the Yukon. Like he's an incredibly recognizable voice. He did voices on Inuyasha, Escaflone, Death Note, Gundam Wing. He was also a voice of Goku on Dragon Ball Z. Just really, really yeah. popular voice actor from Canada. It's funny that this show, you know, has connections to both Canadian Gokus. Yeah. There's the, the, you know, the show was created by Goku up until 160, and then it, you know, <laughs> the main character is voiced by Goku from 160 onwards. That's just such such a weird piece of trivia that Yvonne of the Yukon uh, is so Goku heavy. Yes, very, uh, very much so, and uh, you can definitely hear it, hear the different eras of Goku because Ian James Corlett is also uh, a voice in the show, although he doesn't sound like some of his more normal voices. The other person in the cast I wanted to shout out is actually a bit of a local uh, connection yes. here, and that would be the actor Glenn Gould. Not that Glenn Gould, a different one. Uh, he is the voice of Big Bill. He is an indigenous voice actor from Sydney, Nova Scotia, which is where a lot of my family is from. So Lucas and I are in the capital of Nova Scotia, Halifax, or Dartmouth in Lucas's case, which is just across the water. And then if you go like four or five hours to the northeast of where we are, that's, you know, you enter into what's called Cape Breton, and and the capital of Cape Breton is Sydney, and that's where a lot of my family is from. So I wanted to uh, give props to, and I think I think his Bill voice is tremendous. We hear a lot from Bill in this episode. I love that voice. I know. I'm inspired. I think we need to uh, grab the, the old yellow pages and see if we can <laughs> get in touch with Mr. Glenn Gould. I would love to uh, pick his brain about voice acting, uh, the Yvonne of the Yukon, and more. I'm also reading here that his uncle was, not to dwell on this too much because it's a very heavy subject, but his uncle was Donald Marshall Jr., who is a very important figure in Mi'kmaq history here mm -hmm. in Nova Scotia uh, as someone who was wrongfully convicted uh, of murder, you know, opened up a lot of questions about the justice system here in Nova Scotia and how it treats indigenous people. And this was like something I had to learn about in sociology class or yeah. in, in uh, Mi'kmaq studies when I was in high school. So a really important figure uh, in indigenous history here in Nova Scotia. And it's funny, his 
nephew is Glenn Gould of Yvonne of the Yukon fame. And Glenn Gould's uh, granddaughter, I believe, is also involved in uh, entertainment one way or the other. So the f- the family continues uh, to uh, to work in at least Canadian entertainment. So uh, otherwise, you know, there's there's some notable voice actors in here. But what we really want to do is get into the to the meat of the show. I tried to do as much research as I could on the show. That's really about as much as I could do. If you have any other info about Yvonne of the Yukon, some insider tips, like let us know. But otherwise, um, let's let's round out talking about the theme song. So the so yes. the episode actually like it has a cold open and then it goes into the theme song. But you know, we already kind of started talking about it. It is just the summation of how Yvonne got to the Yukon, and it's a very catchy theme song. Like it's 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 memorable <laughs> if nothing else. Um, it also makes use of some very like unusual instruments that you wouldn't hear uh, on any other kids show, simply because of the fact that like Yvonne is French. What are some of these instruments? This is a, this is interesting. The, I, I I noticed the theme song is unusual, but I couldn't quite pick my finger down why. So I mean, the main thing is that there's a lot of accordion, and it, I think that's a very mm. like almost stereotypically French instrument. So there's a lot of accordion, and there's like a like a flute or like a pipe, like a pan pipe in the background as well to kind of give some little lilts here and there, which gives that kind of colonial vibe from where Yvonne is coming from. Mm. Just really interesting touches, and we hear that throughout the episode and and the score in the background. Um, it, it, because the accordion and the pipe go crazy on this show at certain times, so you know it's it's very it's it's a little bit talk singy at times. I couldn't find out who's yes. the singer of this theme song but it is very like it's he's it sings it very well and it's very catchy and you know exactly what Yvonne's deal is in a minute flat so it does its job mm-hmm. and uh uh it's mm-hmm. it's it's very call and response to kind of like the SpongeBob yeah. theme like there's the Yvonne of the Yukon and uh it's it's almost again like the SpongeBob theme it's almost sea shanty esque yes um you know, we have uh, there's there's multiple different singers, and there's the one baritone guy who's like he defrosted for you and for me. Yeah. Um, also, some of the imagery of this theme song is just like burned in my brain. <laughs> like, I feel like I've seen this theme song so much more than I've actually watched the show. And for those of you who are curious. Listen, if, if what we've been talking about thus far sounds like your bag, you know, knock yourself out. Personally, I would recommend if you want everything you need to know about Yvonne and the Yukon, you can kind of just watch this theme and save yourself 20 minutes of, like, butt jokes. <laughs> um, but, you know, some of these images, like y- Yvonne getting kicked away by the king or... Getting pecked by like, vultures. Yes, the the, the, the the shot of him getting pecked by vultures and the vultures, like, tearing at his red burnt skin. It's so gross. Like, mm, even as a child... Yeah. Like, his weird, like, thin limbs and, like, his skin getting pulled away by the vultures. Um, And then, yeah, of course, that dog peeing on him. Um, Which is only just a a sousant for things to come. Like, it's funny. It's the perfect theme song for this show. Totally. Like, both visually, uh, both uh, instrumentally and musically, uh, everything you need to know, including the anti-French sentiment, everything you need to know about Yvonne of the Yukon uh, is summed up in this theme song. It's it's a perfect cartoon theme song. Credit where credit is due. Also, he plants the French flag, and for some reason, the, Fr- the French tricolor 
is instead it's like an underwear design. Right. Right. <laughs> um it's it's very um a lot I think one of the biggest compliments we can pay this show in general is that for what it is, it does it very well. Just what it is may not be to most people's likings. Um, something else that we kind of touched on but didn't continue on. So, Lucas, we, you and I both watched this as kids. This is something that we're both coming into history with. Uh, you were mentioning how this is something you and your friends used to watch. You would have been probably like, what, uh, like seven or eight or something? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. would have been watching this when I was like 11 or 12, and I also just really liked the show. Like, I watched it all the time. And, you know, in retrospect, I'm like, why? But, of course, it's like, A, because I'm a kid. B, because at the time, watching television was a lot different. Because if you wanted to watch cartoons you in, in Canada, in Eastern Canada, you had YTV. Sometimes they were on Fox Kids. It, depending on your cable package, maybe you had Teletoon. And maybe they'd be on CBC once in a while. Or you could go watch PBS. But it's like, if you wanted to watch cartoons at, like, I don't know, 6 o'clock on a Monday... It's Ivana the Yukon or nothing, and it is it is very much like it, it definitely appeals to a young boy's sensibilities of what's funny, or at least the kind of stereotype of what's funny to young boys. So let's let's talk about it. This the episode. Well, yeah. well I I just want to say that I you make a good point about the options because I we talked a little bit about this on our SpongeBob episode. Uh, but in Canada, there's such distinct blocks of programming for the different cartoon TV stations. Like, every Canadian knows what is a family channel show, what's a Teletoon show, and what's a YTV show. Mm-hmm. And Yvonne of the Yukon, to an extreme degree, is a YTV show. Like, YTV's whole aesthetic of mm, it's yes, gross, yes. it's nasty, it's for boys... Uh, Yvonne of the Yukon is, you know, that and then... So, I just on a whim here, I searched up YTV May 2001, which is a month after this started airing. And thanks to the YTV Schedule Archives wiki, I have the other shows that would have aired along with Yvonne of the Yukon. So, I'm not going to... I'm not going to tell... I'm not going to say all of them here. But I do want to give you a little bit of an idea of, like... So, you're coming home... From school, school ends at like three, three fifteen, three thirty, something like that. You're getting home around like let's say four. So starting at four o'clock on YTV, you've got sticking around. You've got uh oh, Rugrats, Hey Arnold, Pokemon, Digimon, Powerpuff Girls. You've got Grizzly Tales for gruesome kids. You've got Dragon Ball Z, Big Wolf on Campus, Freaky Stories, Goosebumps. And, of course, it changes depending on the day and depending on the season. But that's kind of – and then Yvonne of the Yukon is in there as well depending on the night. So that's that's sort of what the TV landscape looked like for us uh, at the time of this of this airing. This is the first episode of Yvonne of the Yukon. By the way, if you search up any episode of Yvonne of the Yukon, it is readily available on YouTube for – legally? Like, I, like, it doesn't seem to be an illegal upload of any kind. So, like, go nuts. Uh, the one we watch is called Call of the Mild, Season 1, Episode 1, aired April 28th, 2001. Um, one thing I want to make note of here as we go along in the different segments of the of the episode that we watched, there's two things that I kept track of, Lucas, and I found them both in abundance, and that's gross-out <laughs> gross moments and adult gags. 
So gross out moments, meaning the moments that are meant to disgust you. And adult gags, meaning I'm kind of surprised they got away with this on a kid's show. Yes. I, okay, so that was the thing. Returning to this, it almost feels like, like an adult cartoon, like a Simpsons or a Family Guy. A little bit, yeah. Someone says, at some point, someone says, crap, Will. Well, I can't even well, believe that. I, could, I couldn't, it, it seemed close enough. And there's other instances that I was also very surprised by. So, in the very beginning of the episode, the, the cold open is that Tommy, who is a young uh, Inuit boy in the Yukon, he's about, you know, probably like preteen. Uh, he's friends with Yvonne. He receives a Charles Hercules chest expander in the mail. So, like, Charles Atlas kind of thing. It's one of those resistance band pull-apart things. So our first gross-out moment of the show is that Yvonne is cooking some kind of concoction in a giant cauldron, and then he sneezes into it, whatever he's cooking. Oh, <laughs> oh Lucas, we got so much more to go, man. I know. <laughs> There's so much worse to come. I'm so sorry. Um, so we we talked about Yvonne's design a little bit. How about his accent? It's very, it's very, very, it's very thick, and I actually quite liked listening to it. Yeah, it's pretty funny. It's, I'm not gonna yeah, lie. Just uh, this is like I, I am make. I, it's it's you know it's like I am making my famous famous caribou kebabs. Like is as broad as you can get. It's clearly um, the other gross out moment in this little part here is where. Yvonne is trying out this chest expander and it gets caught in his chest hair. And so Tommy right. has to yank it out and you see the chest hair come out at like the root. Because <laughs> as as naturally as we know, French people are all hairy and disgusting. Yes. They're all right. uh, covered in hair and filthy. Uh, the one, the one um, adult gag in this part is that Yvonne references a brassiere. It's not so not not as um, not as bad as it'll get, but he does mention that like the packaging of the chest expander is as complicated as like a brazier or something to that effect. Mm -hmm. But he says it in that French accent, so it's a little hard to parse. The idea behind this episode is that Tommy is very insecure that he doesn't have any hair on his armpits, he doesn't have any beard hairs, he feels like he isn't manly. So this ends up with his father who owns a restaurant in town called Mad Cossacks, uh, Big Bill, who is like this big, this big indigenous guy. I love his design. Uh, he invents an Inuit manhood test, which will require Tommy to spend 48 hours alone in the t in the nearby tundra. So, uh, man, where do I... Which he says is like an ancient ritual, yeah. but it's obvious he's reading off the back of like a car magazine. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's you know pretty pretty classic pretty classic sitcom setup here. We we get a flashback where Yvonne is being tortured by King Louis the Fifteenth. Yes. Um, and again, this is just so indicative of the humor of this show. Mm -hmm. he, his he's getting a wedgie like an atomic wedgie, and it's being like pulled back by a matter of yards. Yes. Um, now now and... this I remembered all the way back from childhood. I don't know why. You just hold on to the stupidest <laughs> things when you're a kid. I just remembered, we, oui, mon majesty, will you accept three yards? <laughs> and then it's literally showing like an executioner like winding back the, the band of the underwear to a sign that says three yards and then they snap it. Uh, that's one of the gross out moments of this part that I that I put down there. 
Uh, we actually have the main character fart, like audibly fart. So, like the very beginning of the episode is Tommy doing the what? Uh, one of the classic gym class situations that I actually never had to do, but always feared because of children's TV, and that's climbing a rope. So, like a rope that's attached to the ceiling and having to, to army climb it. I never had to do mm. that. Did you? I did have to do that. At least I think I did. I don't know if I have false memories from cartoons, but I could (laughs) have sworn I had to do that. So Tommy embarrasses himself by farting. There's even like, there's this elongated scene where Tommy is in the shower and we literally see like the naked butts of children. Now, that's going to sound weird. I'm not saying it's not, but that's literally what's happening. It's like Tommy showering after gym class and then his classmates are in there they all have very exaggerated designs. One's like rotund and with with red hair. Another's like really skinny with braces and floppy blonde hair. And you see like a lot of naked butts going on. In fact, there's almost full nudity at times. We even and this is where we get another adult gag because one of Tommy's classmates is like talking about, you know, where you can get hair or like the things that make you a man. He turns around and shows his butt to the camera and he says ass toroids. That's crazy. I didn't even catch that. Like that's what I'm saying is that doesn't feel like a show that would be on the afternoon on YTV. It feels no. uh, dare dare I say family guy-esque. Well, right. And there's a couple of instances in the show where it's like they're skating right on the line of like good taste in terms of what you can literally expose children to. Um, we also have another adult gag, uh, when, because again, Tommy's insecure about how he seemingly can't grow hair, but Yvonne grows hair all the time, all over his body. And he says, Yvonne grows hair in the places others only dream of. And just like, he's talking about his dick. Like, he's talking about his nut hair, you know? Um, I will say, I I do also want to, I want to mention that there are a couple of times in this episode that I genuinely got a laugh. One of them was this really good visual gag where Yvonne takes out this gigantic Swiss army knife from like the package. And then in one big cartoonish swoop, he like shaves his chin. And it just, (laughs) the way that they animated it was, was funny. I thought that was good. Yeah. That's the thing about this show is like, it's, it's animations actually, um, this is obviously well before Flash, and there's a very distinct look to all the character character designs. Now, some of them are like it's very much erring on the side of caricature, oh, right? Yeah. Everybody's yeah, yeah. a caricature. Uh, Yvonne, just take one look at Yvonne, and you know that's to be true. Um, but they're all pretty good caricatures, like distinct designs. The show now <laughs> here's the thing: it's hard to compliment because it's like the show absolutely has an aesthetic unto itself. It's just that the dis- the aesthetic is disgusting, yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it hurts me to look at. <laughs> you know, me- things like Mega Babies and Ripping Friends were the same way. Those are really well animated shows, but they're just so hard to look at because they're just so foul and nasty. Yeah. Um, and this show is the same way where it's like, yes, it's all technically done well. It's all technically well drawn, but my goodness gracious, do I not like looking at Especially it? Especially in the case of the Ripping Friends, that was not only a show that was like meant to be disgusting. It was also like animated by the Ren and Stimpy guy, John Kay. And it's just like, oh, when he wants to be disgusting, it's one of the worst things you've ever seen. So at least there's no like, like if John Kay worked on Yvonne of the Yukon, we probably would have like actually seen Ugh. his butthole or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so, so Tommy's going to go out into the tundra. We get a little couple scenes here where Yvonne is mentoring Tommy about how to survive outside. 
and Big Bill gives Tommy a solid gold medallion. I liked this. There's actually a reference to Yellowknife, which is one of the uh, uh, cities in the Canadian North, because the medallion was won from a grocery store slash casino there, and he gives it to him because it's like a symbol of manhood. Uh, Just one gross-out moment here where Tommy is being taught how to fish. He accidentally hooks Yvonne's underpants, and it goes mm. into the it mm. goes into the lake and kills the fish. I chuckled at that. Like that's yes, yes. And we also see if, this made me laugh. We, so we also <laughs> see Yvonne's bare ass. Like, and that is far from the last time in this show you will see Yvonne's ass. Like, I get ready. The idea, the idea that his underpants were so toxic. That it was like, you ever read Kurt Vonnegut, Cat's Cradle? No, no. Ice Nine? In, in Cat's Cradle, there's Ice Nine, and if one drop of it gets into the ocean, the whole ocean will freeze. And the idea that, like, Yvonne's underpants are so filthy that, like, if you <laughs> drop them into the water, it's going to kill all the surrounding fish because he's so disgusting. Yeah. And we see that later with, like, uh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Um there's one thing I wanted to note here. Like, I didn't remember absolutely everything about this show. So, for example, I forgot that there is, like, a... There's a local police character who's a woman who seems to be, like, a takeoff on Fargo. She has the very very similar, like, Fargo accent. I also forgot about the character who is in the local jail, and he's, like, a stereotypical, bald, muscle-bound inmate type of design. But he's got a very flaming accent... And I did not remember that, and I don't like it. I I I need to see more of the show to see the way this character is portrayed. Like he's, I don't know if it's, it's just the joke that he's just gay, or if the joke's that he's like a baby man. No, I think because sometimes it's like both. It's, uh, the joke is that he's gay. Like I like it came back to me watching this. I'm like, oh right. Oh, this, you remembered this it more. was the yeah, repository okay. for gay jokes, which. Mm. How far we've come. <laughs> Again, uh, viewer, viewers beware. You're in for a scare of a different, of a more existential kind when watching Ivana the Yukon. So Tommy goes into the tundra. Unfortunately, he goes there in the midst of a huge snowstorm. So Yvonne goes after him to save him. We also have a B plot where two of the side characters, uh, Harland, who is like a kind of backwoods yokel, and the Duke, who is a an effete uh, aristocrat, are planning to steal Tommy's medallion because they think it's real gold. Um, so, and and with with Harland, I want to mention he's also related to a character named Big Mary, who we see a little bit of in this episode, who is this like large black woman who runs the local casino, and they're both married, and it's a not remarked on interracial couple, which I thought was cool. And then I found out that Big Mary's voice actor is white. So, like, mm. Yvonne of the Yukon giveth and taketh away in seemingly equal measure. A couple of adult gags at this point. So, we see Tommy going into the tundra. A bus of tourists pass by him, which is which is interesting. I thought that was interesting. Like, we've, we mentioned Molly of Denali earlier. And I, I know Yvonne of the Yukon came up when we were talking about that show. But that also has, one of the episodes we watched about that had to do with, like, white tourists coming to a different part of the country. Um, so I thought that was interesting that they touched on it here. But then we see a polar bear go into the bus, and although we, they don't show any of this explicitly, the implication is that the bear ate and killed the tourists. <laughs> you want to talk about, like, family guy jokes. Like, literally those people are dead. We just don't see the blood. There's also another reference, so... Th- 
again, the through line through part of this episode is that Harland and Duke are also in the middle of the snowstorm and trying to survive. They br- they bring a tent with them. Harland uh, makes a reference about how when he and Big Mary were on their honeymoon, they spent a week in the tent. And, like, normally it's a throwaway line. But they dwell on it. Like, they spend a couple of lines going over it where it's just like, me and Mary, we spent a week in that tent. And and then the Duke's just like, you spent a week? In, ooh. And it's like, yeah, they banged. Like, hey, kids, those cartoon characters bang. <laughs> Soon after, this is when we get oh the God. most, I feel like, adult joke of the entire episode. Oh, my God. Where yes. I, um, I don't know which one is it. Is it Harland or is the other guy? Uh, so Har- Harlan's the yokel, and so if you're talking about, are you talking about the railroad tracks? Yes. So the yes, Duke gets he, his tongue stuck to railroad tracks. Go on, Lucas. Yes, and so the the yokel talks about how the only way to get your tongue unstuck from being frozen <laughs> is to pour hot liquid on it, but there's no hot liquid to be found up there in the Yukon. <laughs> and then he says, except. <laughs> And then we the the camera's not showing him; it's showing Duke, and we just hear a zip. And I was literally at home watching this in full YouTube face, like mouth completely agape, thinking, "No, there's no way," uh, because obviously you're thinking, "Oh my god, he's gonna pee in his mouth." Um, but then no, he had a he had a hot uh, hot, hot water, water bag, bottle. whatever. Yeah, a hot water bottle in his, in his backpack that zipping was the set of his backpack opening. But I can't believe it, Will, that they had a he was going to pee in his mouth joke. Like, I, I, no parent has ever seen Yvonne in the no, UN, as far as never. I'm concerned. Because, like, people were, you know, there's people protesting jackass and protesting uh, <laughs> South Park, being like, I'm scared my kid's going to see this. But you never heard any sort of controversy about Yvonne in the Yukon. And, and in fact, it won Canadian Media Awards. Yeah. And also, what was it, what was also interesting when I was researching it, like, apparently it was also pretty popular in England. Like, CBeebies ordered more oh, seasons of it. Wait. That's hilarious, Will. You want to know why that is? Mm. Because they hate French people. Oh, of course. That's, that's why it was so popular in England. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> it's even closer to home. I also, yeah. If there's one thing the English love, it's humor about like racial caricatures oh, and and hating the French. Yeah. Um, in this whole fake out gag of like, Haha, he almost pissed on his tongue. They also frame like in the same animation frame where you hear the zipper go down. Harland is positioned behind the Duke in a very suggestive way. Like it almost <laughs> looks like somebody made it up for fun on Twitter. Like if you're going to watch this episode, like keep your eyes open for that part. Like, holy crap. Um, that go- that of course went under my gross out moment. The other gross out moment of this part is Yvonne uh, breaks his leg, and you see, and like when you get a look at it, it's very cartoonish, but it's also like jagged in several places. It was kind of gross. It was gross in a different way than Yvonne of the Yukon usually is. Um, this doesn't fit into this episode here. I do just want to say, like as an example of again, the show's adult gags. I first found out about the you know like you know the phrase when somebody says like beer me. Yes. I found out about that from Yvonne of the Yukon. Like, there's a different episode oh, wow. where Harlan says, beer me. <laughs> and I was like, I don't get it. And then 
found out that to mean give me a beer. Uh, like I said, foundational television. <laughs> well, there's, there's, we're, we, we were all learning. When we when when Ivana the Yukon came on, Will, I sat my Anglo ass down and listened. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I'm so glad we talked about this. Um Tommy and Yvonne, they end up getting swept away in a river. They go they take some real bad headers down a waterfall. Um at the same time, Big Bill is getting worried because he didn't mean to send Tommy out in the middle of a snowstorm. We go back to the jail and so the the cop's name is Luba, and I don't know what the prisoner's name is. Oh yeah. Hey, you you want to set this even further in time? Not just with gross out humor, but Richard Simmons references. Remember when we all loved to make fun of Richard Simmons? Yeah, this is one of the yeah. This is pre- prior to him disappearing, and there's like being a podcast about him disappearing. Mm, right, exactly. Like it's it wasn't all wasn't as rosy as we all thought it was for Richard Simmons. So uh, this also has my favorite joke of the whole episode, okay. which is that Big Bill is is worried, and he asks, you know, we need to go out and find them because they're lost in the blizzard. Um, and the cops like, I'll organize a search party. And Big Bill just goes, "Well, I hardly think it's time for a party." Uh, and that was that got me. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's like, it, at this point, at this point, Ivana the Yukon had worn me down into so <laughs> like it had worn me down so much. I was just happy there was like a setup and a punchline that didn't involve a, a butthole. You know what I mean? Um. <laughs> um. I also want to note here, so you mentioned earlier that they say crap in this episode, so when yes. when they're doing the Richard Simmons routine, the prisoner, like, gets a cramp in his leg, and it's it oh. sounds like he says crap. It sounds like crap, but I think it's cramp, but I can see why you thought that. They sound really similar in the way that he says it. Mm. So Yvonne and Tommy, they end up being trapped in this cave during a storm, and also Yvonne is basically, like... Walking concussed because he uh, took a header. There is a brief gag when they're floating down the river where a bear picks him up and like sniffs his underwear and throws him back. So it's like, again, Yvonne <laughs> stinks of shit so badly that even the wildlife doesn't want him. So oh in order to get through this, Tommy sees like this force ghost version of Big Bill and he, the force ghost, encourages him to follow a herd of musk ox. Uh, the only gross-out moment that I found left, the last gross-out moment of the show, is that Big Bill's Force Ghost is saying all this while he's on the john. Like, he's in the, he's in, he's in the porta potty and then it's just like, close the door on your way out, eh? And, uh, like, honestly, it could have been worse. It could have been a lot worse. So, Tommy C... We yeah. really are at a gross, like, there's a fairly good, uh, ratio of a gross-out joke once every two minutes, at least. Yes, like not not two minutes go by without some sort of bodily humor <laughs> taking place. Yeah, just to make sure you're still awake. Um, we see the musk ox, which Yvonne and Tommy follow. The how about the musk ox's running animation? It's literally just like you know when Sonic would run in Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, and it would just be like a a, a wheel blur underneath his torso. Yeah. They do that, but you can just see like hooves every now and then. It was a really odd and kind of cheap choice for for that, but whatever. Um. So Tommy follows the herd of muskox. They almost get attacked by a pair by a pack of wolves, but he uses the golden medallion to hypnotize them into thinking that they're sled dogs. And at this point, there's like four minutes left in the episode. I'm like, okay, sure, whatever. Like, get me out of here. So he takes them. They find Harland and Duke. They're frozen in ice, which, again, I did laugh. 
Duke and Harlan are stuck in like a Three Stooges pose. So Duke has his two fingers out ready to gouge Harlan's eyes. And he's got the one hand up to block them. So I thought that was kind of funny. So they bring everybody back to town. Tommy's a hero. Uh, <laughs> he brings Harlan to Duke there on like on this big ice block. And he says, don't worry, folks. They're not dead. To which everybody goes, aww. <laughs> um, they get chased out of town once they're unfrozen. And the next morning, Tommy finds that he gets his first armpit hair. But due to wacky shenanigans of like Yvonne tripping over bathroom tile or something, he accidentally plucks his one armpit hair and it falls down the drain. And that's the end of the episode. <laughs> There's one more thing that I wanted to point out. So in terms of like finding an image for the episode, and also this is fairly prominent in like the stills meant to the promotional stills for the cartoon. For some reason, they love to draw Yvonne doing the hang 10. Like you can see it in the corner of the credits. There's like a little yellow circle with an Yvonne still in it. And he's doing the hang 10, like the shaka pose. And I'm like, that is so odd. What does that mean? Like that's, is that anything? Is that something? Why that? I don't know. So, in many ways, I feel like we got off light in terms of what we decided to do. But also, I mean, do you think that do you think we saw do you think what we saw was indicative of Yvonne of the Yukon? And really, Lucas, what watching it all these years later, like was it as gross and offensive as you thought it was going to be? Was it better? How are you feeling? Well, it was quite a small sample size, but I, I gotta say, my memory did not fail me, Will. It was about as gross and offensive as I remembered it being. Okay. Like, even from a child, like, even as a kid, um, you were a little bit older than me, so maybe it was a little bit more to your sensibility, but as a kid, I, I found it uh, so gross that it was a little bit unsightly for my young eyes. Oh. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's hard. I don't, I almost am rendered... We have a podcast, Will. All we do is talk about cartoons every week. I'm almost rendered speechless by Yvonne of the U.S. Wow. I think it has to be... I think if you're American and if you've never seen this before, or if you're Canadian and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that show, it has to be seen to be believed. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that it's good uh, or anything like that, but I think that, you know, it's it's a good record of where we've been, how far we've come, and I think for those reasons, it, it, it just, it, they should teach Yvonne of the Yukon in schools, in <laughs> Canadian media literacy, because I feel like the world is starting to forget about Yvonne of the Yukon, Will, but I never forgot. <laughs> and that's why we're here today. <laughs> well, and I think it's indicative of how forgotten this is, that like nobody brings this up, because it's not like there's nothing to talk about. Like, it's, again kind of miraculous that this was not only aired but was kind of popular like i watched it you watched it as and i'm pretty i'm sure a lot of other canadian kids watched and enjoyed it too like it's i think you made a really good point of like it really succeeds at what it's trying to do like i think that the designs for those characters are good the animation at times is actually pretty good the voice acting is like is is really solid, um the like the gross out gags and adult gags like if you're gonna go for that, 
they do those pretty well. Like, I got a couple of laughs here and there. It was not... I was kind of going into this expecting it to be, like, incredibly awful. Like, I was expecting this to be, like, one of the worst things I've ever seen. It really isn't. Like, honestly, some of the stuff we watched on For the Kids is worse from just, like, a quality standpoint, you know? In terms of just, like, I would want to watch it again. You might be able to convince me to watch another episode of Yvonne just to be like, I can't believe this happened. Like, one of the episodes I had in mind for us to check out that we ultimately decided didn't decide on is actually based a lot around professional wrestling. There's a there's a gross out moment in there where like one of the wrestlers literally like reaches into Yvonne's body and pulls him inside out so you see all of his musculature. <laughs> it's it's like and there's there's probably even more stuff that I forgot about. And yes, it's rather upsetting and there's a couple of choices in there whether it has to do with casting or production or the stories they tell or the characters they use or whatever that are regrettable that are really just like not worth remembering but i i'm i'm surpri- i'm surprised at this show in many ways like again it's just like yeah. how did how did this get made how did it air but also like how is it not the most the worst thing you've ever seen? I don't know. So I guess that speaks to it, the it, inherent no, quality of a lot of people working on it. No exaggeration, Will. All this aside, it is the first time in my life I saw indigenous characters on TV, uh, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. But it was the first TV show I ever saw, especially with Inuit characters. Um, and especially with the main character being Inuit, I, I can't think of another show from that era uh, that had something. Well, I'm so. I'm sure I'm sure there are others. Um, like off the top of my head, uh, Billy Two Feathers from Shining Time Station, which we talked about. But but it's, that's not of my era, well, right? Well, so. uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. That's a good point, and certainly not yeah. to this prominent degree. And I think that that is that's a good thing. It doesn't it doesn't outweigh some of the creepier less racially sensitive stuff but again we really could have been worse i feel like we dodged a couple of bullets here so in terms of looking back on this uh i don't know how many other ways to say it but like who that actually wasn't all that bad so uh it actually <laughs> encourages me to uh, continue to look back at cartoons of our past to see really maybe there was more there than we thought Although I like, I really don't think that this is what I would call a good cartoon. I'm just saying it's not the worst thing I've ever seen, and really, Yvonne that in itself U- is a victory. Ivana the Yukon, it's like a really, really hefty poop. When you're going God. through it, you start to think to yourself, oh, "Wait no. a minute, is this kind of enjoyable in a weird oh. way?" And then you're relieved when it's over. And sometimes during it, it's grossing you out in the process. I don't care to follow that. So thanks for joining us for ECL <laughs> Origins. Uh, check out Yvonne of the Yukon at your own risk, I guess. And we'll see you next month when we uh, when we clean things up around here a bit and we go back to a show from PBS Kids. So for Lucas Mancini, uh, I'm Will Young, and we'll see you next time. I can't, I can't believe I let you say that whole thing.